Do you experience every emotion but don't know how to express it? Us either. Learn with us as we go. We love pink, learning too much about random things, and trying to make the world a better place. If we were pageant contestants, our answer really would be world peace. But first, we have to learn how to master our own inner peace. Join our journey as two best friends have simple girl talk. This is Spotlight with Alexis Kimsey and Katherine Merck. expect you know? anything else though <laughs> i mean no you guys the conversation we were just having before we came on air first of all um our little dental assistant if you're listening thanks for tuning in we had a whole talk about this this morning at my dentist office and the conversation that i was having before we came on was that i almost hooked her up with my dentist because he has access to botox <laughs> Um, for those of you that don't know, I am a proponent. I like Botox. Um, I just got my master jaw done because I have, for before people come for me, natural is almighty. Um, Catherine knows I just got my 10th cap put on my teeth from grinding and my teeth are so bad that my dentist informed me this today that by the time I'm 50, I might not be able to chew food. So we're trying to get this all fixed. And so I tried the master Botox, which does not hurt. And so far it's helping. Listen, this is so nobody can come at you for masseter. I love it. I love it. I get masseter Botox as well because I've had a broken jaw. And for anyone listening who has had their jaw wired shut, it teaches you how to clench. So many so of you. I, I, <laughs> I don't know, Alexis. We have a lot of rodeo friends. <laughs> So many of you have after your mouth wired. I don't even want to know. I just watched Silence of the Lambs for the first time. And why am I just going to that? Okay, continue. Okay, it teaches you, you clench your jaw all the time. I'm so sorry I if you're driving home alone. I clench my sorry, jaw really badly. I have TMJ. And the only thing that helps it is the master Botox because my muscles are too strong and it's a learned behavior from having my jaw wired shut, which in retrospect, not that many of you can probably relate to, but maybe you can relate to the TMJ. <laughs> a much more common. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. So that's random so one-on-one for you. Anyways, so how's your life been? <laughs> I wish I could see her. She's in like a tie-dye hoodie right now, just looking like a fresh dime. And she's showing it off to me right now. She's so proud. It's a tie-dye Notre Dame Dame hoodie. (laughs) Everything I love in a sweatshirt. Which I feel like does not even match Notre Dame's whole look. Okay, anyways, we need to get on some topics here. So, Catherine, how's your life? What's new? Uh, Before we switch topics, though, I do need to share that uh, Mama Merck bought this for me. So Beth actually picked it out. So you can't make too much fun of it. Beth wore tie-dye? I cannot see her ever buying tie-dye. No, she bought it for me. I don't think she would ever wear it. It was like the time. Okay, yeah, I like that we're just deep diving in this. I once bought 
matching shirts for me and my mom to wear to yoga class. This was like in college or law school or something. And they said, any yoga I do is hot when yoga. When she's an adult. And then, yeah, I was an adult. And then I conned my mom into getting our Santa pictures. <laughs> and she zipped up her jacket. And so we have a Santa picture when I'm an adult and I'm wearing a shirt that says, any yoga I do is hot yoga. <laughs> Don't worry, she's on the naughty list. <laughs> so uh, I didn't oh, realize how Lord. strange that story was about to get. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Anyways, life is good. I watched mm-hmm. Silence of the Lambs for the first time. Um, pretty creepy for the 80s. What else have I done? What I think is so interesting, for those of you that don't know how our brains work super well, we really like crime stuff. We really like murders. Scary stuff, not so yeah. much because we're we have very vivid <laughs> like imaginations. Scary movies. <laughs> yeah, you guys. If I my husband wants me to watch Saw so so bad, and I told him there's absolutely no way in Hades that that will ever happen. He's like, you like this stuff, and I'm like, I don't like stuff that could actually happen to me because I'd be the one that creepy little thing on the little bicycle would go by as I'm eating a cookie and be like, gluttony, you're going to the Saw house, and I'd be like, oh shoot, and so I'd be stuck in the Saw house. This is the stuff that I I don't even know what's happening, and I'm concerned. (laughs) Well, you know the little guy on the bicycle that has like the little face that's meant right? Isn't that song? I feel like I know what I'm talking about because I'm always right. I feel like like you know what you're talking about too. The reason he goes after people is because they have bad things about them, like they do the deadly sins, like gluttony or whatever. And I would definitely be gluttonous because I'd be eating a cookie or something crazy. You guys, keep in mind, I don't eat cookies, but <laughs> she like, does so it. She eats so it, healthy. But... That's why this is so funny. <laughs> but it would be the yeah. one time, Catherine. And then I'd be like, how'd you get my house? Oh, my dang husband left the garage open again. Then, oh, look, yeah. it's me. In scene. <laughs> I would do that. <laughs> In scene. I love how I'm just on a tangent and I'm like, oh, you're still here. Sorry. <laughs> well, it things is. Things that plague me at night. Yeah, we have very vivid imaginations. I just started watching Game of Thrones. I almost finished the first season. And even Game of Thrones, Marcus and I watched it the other night. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I need to watch Dairy Girls or something happy before I go to sleep so I don't have nightmares. I mean, all the saw or not the saw. Jeez, get off saw, Alexis. All the sword scenes are a little. They're a lot. Um, it's very, it's how about very gory. So very hilarious she's pretty cool dragon girl i'm gonna start calling she's like i'm gonna start ass. calling you moon of my life <laughs> if you don't i'd be offended i okay for context too i was thinking of alexis while i was watching the episode last night because the one guy who always says <gasps> yes my princess to her and alexis will answer the phone when i call her and be like hello princess <laughs> <laughs> And then you're sitting there with Marcus, and he's like, why is Alexis always in our freaking life? We can't get rid of her. I, Give me some peanut. I, <laughs> you guys, Catherine's boyfriend tried to point at me with peanuts the first time we met, and he knew I was allergic. That was the worst part. It was a, jo- so it was so a far, joke. So far, the relationship but it was, yeah. not going well. Not going well. <laughs> we started off a real rough patch. Alexis was like, you don't even joke about that. Okay, I also, I do have to say one more, one more thing before we get into this deep subject today. Uh, what? Oh yeah, our subject's pretty morbid, guys. One of the funniest things. 
Oh, now I can't even think of what I was going to say. Oh, what that I've sent Alexis lately on social media, which has been 700 things because we'll just get on tangents. And it's like Instagram is feeding me reels to send her. One of them was a picture of text message and it was text with my husband. And it said, hi, ladies. And wife responds, you're just talking to me. And husband, I know you like to share your our conversations with your best friend. So I just thought I'd cut out the middleman. I mean, he's not wrong. Last night when we got back for a walk and I called you, I was like, yay, he's going into town to get something from the store. So I got 20 minutes to call Catherine. So I call Catherine. He gets home. He's like, hi, Catherine. <laughs> yep. You know, Sagey, if you're listening to this. We, we love, love you, you Sagey. <laughs> we love you, even though your name is very hard to spell. Anyways, <laughs> that's another inside joke. Catherine is Sage's agent, and someone just sent her something with my last name being spelt key key. I keep talking K E M Z I E. No, it was S I E. Everyone listening. Oh, I thought it was. A I G. don't even know. Anyways, it's bad. if you were listening at home. My last name is K-I-M-Z-E-Y. Say it with me. K-I-M-Z-E-Y. I love that you were about to sing it. I was about to sing <laughs> I it. I almost had her singing. <laughs> I would also like to point That's out, how I though, keep my baby stuff. that I would like to point out that a lovely, a lovely friend of ours in, who's involved in the rodeo industry is currently convincing people that Sage prefers to be known as Sage Bloomer <laughs> just to see if Wait, she who is it <laughs> just to see if she can get people to believe it and I think it's hilarious <laughs> that's not involved in rodeo no, that is involved in rodeo she that she oh, the other oh, day like I know you're talking somebody about told her not knowing that she's friends with us somebody said Oh, you know, Alexis, Sage's wife. And she goes, oh, I'm sorry. You mean Sage, mm-hmm. Alexis's husband? <laughs> I mean, if you're listening to this, we love you so much. Yeah, and we do. You bring us constant entertainment from everybody else's stupidity. So thank you for our group chat. Constant joy. I feel like everybody that's listening right now probably wants to be in our group chat so bad. I mean, you do. It's so fun. Should we like just like somehow find a text messaging service where every day we send them our stupid ideas? Oh my, we totally could. That would be awesome. I get enough spam text messages that I believe this is a thing. We could get people to subscribe to our text message list. Well, I'm not calling us like spam, but do you no, want to no. subscribe to us? I mean, I'm not saying we're, we're spam. Funny. I'm saying we're I can get a lot spam. of memes, a lot of TikToks. Like a lot, a lot of memes. Of- we have entire conversations in one tree. Yeah, memes. Oh my gosh, we yes. Really I will oh, just... Catherine started watching Grey's Anatomy for the first time. Okay, I did, no and it's already it's getting been... wild. Catherine started watching Grey's Anatomy, guys. She went to the NFR with us. My husband's usually in the arena, but that night he got to go as a spectator, and it was really fun. So we, like, had fun, got drinks, like, actually enjoyed the rodeo. I've never done that at the NFR. Like, wow, it was quite the experience um but anyways uh she didn't realize sitting next to her was dr jim pickens aka dr sitting Weber. next to me this whole time was a very so like, nice man <laughs> i'm like Catherine. i told you who this was you need to watch Grey's anatomy so now she's watching it i feel like y'all are all caught up in our lives <laughs> i am watching it and i love it i mostly love that like Christina Yang and Meredith Grey are us 
Like at one point, Mer- yes. <laughs> Meredith Grey walks in. Which and one am like, I? I mean, I don't even know. Like neither of them are happy and nice enough to be us. Like that is true. neither of us are broody. I enough. feel like I'm more Christina though. I'm more like cutthroat. Like, Hey, Catherine, get your life out of the gutter. It's time. So Meredith, <laughs> I feel like, <laughs> I mean, your life's never in the gutter. She what? gave me a dirty look, y'all. <laughs> I don't even know but, like, what this means. Catherine, it's been four days. Like, let's get our life together. She'll like text me and be like, I'm so tired. I'm like, you just woke up. I've been up since 640. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> this will be like after I take a nap because I, I got up at 5 a.m. to drive three and a half hours. <laughs> Alexis, okay, this oh is so well she done knows that, like, me. like one time like... in two months. <laughs> I told her I was going to drive in the morning. Part. I do it like every day. <laughs> I told her I was going to drive three and a half hours at 5 a.m. And she was like, is that a good idea? I think maybe you should leave tonight. <laughs> well, I just knew what, like, oh, Jesus won her in church, and I was kind of worried. But she made it. She did good. I'm proud of her. Made it to church. It was great. I feel like either we're really tired today or we're just our ADDs kicking our butt today because we have not had any substantial <laughs> deep conversations yet. <laughs> it's been 12 minutes of us and our shenanigans. So if you're still with us, I promise we're getting to some content. I would like everyone to please weigh in in the comments of social media, I guess, whatever we're we're doing here. Of If you like our randomness or if we should start getting a little more heavy handed with the editing. I think we're hilarious, but (laughs) I am very biased. We we never edit. (laughs) We We never edit. So if you guys need us to edit because we're ruining your drive or your shower or your makeup session or work. I'm going to (laughs) go ahead and say, though, that there is a button where you can just like skip ahead or you can put us on two times speed, which I think would be... I think it would be very scary because we <laughs> we are like talk being on fast. a roller coaster <laughs> in a sugar high. <laughs> like you're not wrong. Oh, Catherine. Dude, totally I have been trying wrong, to not be a stressed person and it's so hard. Like it is so It is hard. so hard. I think we should do probably How we are should you do so a chill whole different episode about it like stress and dealing with stress in our lives and but instead of doing that right now we have decided that we need to get back into murder murder so if everyone is ready for murder we are ready (laughs) (laughs) like the way you just said that if everyone's ready for murder, we're here. Like, I'm going to say this in the most Barbie tone. <laughs> okay, wow. We were so good last week. We need to get back on focus. Come on. Okay, I'm ready. Okay, so. Hello, Moto. As as any of you who have listened to us before know, we are very fascinated with current criminal stories is how I'm going to say it. And ones that particularly impact the areas in which we live. And the one that's going on right now that's a really big deal is the trial of Lori Vallow Daybell. And so dun, dun, dun. if you've never heard about this, I am going to have to go ahead 
and assume, yes, trigger warning, but I'm also going to have to assume you do not watch the news because, oh my gosh, it has been everywhere for a few years. But the trial is actually going on right now in the state of Idaho, and I am going to give you just kind of, I'm going to give you the very brief background because there's so much going on in this case, it would be so easy to go so far into it. So brief background, and then we'll talk some about kind of our thoughts And one of the things that's hard about it is there is so much surrounding this that is speculation. This, Honestly, they just did jury selection for this trial a few days ago. So we really are in the thick of things. But so Lori Vallow is the easiest way to say her name. She has about five names because she is currently married to her fifth husband, Chad Guy Daybell. And so basically... There's there's a lot of background to get into, too, but basically the two kids disappeared, and they disappeared near Rexburg, Idaho, which is about as far away in Idaho as you can get from where I live in Idaho, but... Thank God. Yes, they, they moved in September 2019, so her two children disappeared. I should have clarified that. So Ty, Tylee Daybell, Tylee Ryan Vallow, and JJ Vallow. And basically how this kind of developed was her estranged fourth husband, Charles Vallow, was shot and killed in July 2019 by Lori's brother, Alexander Cox, who then claimed that was self-defense. Cox died of a blood clot on December 12th, 2019, so just a few months later. In October 2019, Brandon Boudreau, the then estranged husband of Lori's niece, was shot in the driveway of his Gilbert, Arizona home from a vehicle still registered to the deceased Charles Vallow, Lori's fourth husband. In October 2019, Chad's wife, Tammy Daybell, was attacked in her driveway by what she believed was someone shooting a defective paintball gun. A few weeks later, on October 19th, she died in her sleep from what initially was recorded as natural causes. They initially didn't perform any type of autopsy, and they finally have exhumed her corpse for an autopsy and determined that she was asphyxiated by someone else. So fast forward to February 2020, Lori Vallow was arrested in Kauai, and charged with the desertion and non-support of dependent children. So she was extradited from, from Hawaii to Idaho and transported March 5th, 2020. And on June 9th, 2020, police executed a search warrant at Chad's home. And that's the point where they discovered the remains of JJ and Tylee, her two children. So Chad was arrested later that day on charges of destruction or concealment of evidence. And on May 25th, 2021, Lori and Chad Daybell were charged with first-degree murders of Tylee, JJ, and Tammy, his wife. So that's the very, very simple background. There is a lot that goes into this case. Um, Like I said, so they actually have split the two for trial so she and so Lori Vallow and Chad Daybell are undergoing separate jury trials because 
She has refused to waive her right to a speedy trial, so they didn't put their trials together. But Alexis recently watched a documentary. There's so much background, and there's a lot of odd belief systems that they think are involved in the story. But I'd be really curious, Alexis, to hear what you learned from the documentary. No, for sure. And you did a really great synopsis of it. Basically, what I gathered, the only thing that you didn't mention really was that they were very out there as far as religious beliefs. They were living in a revelation times is what they said. They were doomsday preppers. And doomsday in the sense that they believed that people were either light or dark. And what that meant was that they believed, like, Catherine, you would be light because... They don't believe the devil's taking over you or they don't believe the darkness, as they would say, has taken over you. And they think if the darkness has taken over you, that you're a zombie. So she believed both of her children were zombies. He believed his wife was getting um, before they all died, um, that she was being overtaken by zombies. It was the weirdest like cult thing. They believed that they also had one hundred and forty four thousand followers is what they said. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean. There's a lot of out there, but one thing that I really liked was I wrote down a few quotes from it. Um, one of them was the official investigator said, I often see Chad as the hand and Lori as the puppet on the hand. And basically she fell into this guy for religious reasons beyond our know. I don't even know how to put oh. it because as a mom, this story breaks me because I can't even imagine hurting my child. Like I don't. What they did, and, like, they didn't just kill them, you guys, in a humane way. Like, apparently, like, they burned the kids. Like, they did all kinds of really inhumane things. So, what were you saying? So, yeah. No, I was going to say, we need to talk about, talking about their religious beliefs, I think we should go back and talk about how they even met. So, uh, this mm-hmm. is, the the background of it is that, basically... Chad Daybell had some very out there beliefs. He started out as part of the Church of Latter-day Saints. He was a Mormon and he took that in a very different direction. That's how we're going to put that. And Lori yes. was also Lori was also a Mormon. That was the 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 beginning. They had pretty, you know, socially accepted Mormon beliefs. However, Chad started writing these. He was a grave digger. Let's start with that. And while he was a grave digger by day, he started writing these books about end of times at night. And she read in 2015, she read his series of books called Standing in Holy Places, and she became obsessed with them. And had her family move to Arizona because of something in the books. And she attended some kind of conference that he was speaking at. And that's where she met him for the first time. And this, not that much of the story is funny, but this is the only thing that's truly funny with this. His pickup line to her was that he told her they had been married in seven previous lifetimes. Wow, no one's ever told me that. I'm kind of offended, Sage. Right? And so she was like, oh, okay. (laughs) Like, what? It it just, I don't know. Yeah, I guess. I thought that was the weirdest thing. 
so that was what started Wait, their relationship yeah i know Marcus how say rude that he did tell me Sage i told him that told me that at some point he i told marcus that and he was like well i mean the guy had good pickup lines but <laughs> i mean he really did though he did no, but apparently like, they were like weird and like she even went on his podcast about doomsday like there was all kinds yes of they appeared together on like, podcasts. Odd. They they basically believed, like Alexis was saying, these dark individuals were followers of Satan, and the light people were followers of Jesus. And mm-hmm. Chad told Lori she was an eternal being, and she'd already lived yeah. 21 different lives, only five of which had occurred on this planet, uh, which were the same five he had lived. They were always together. And so it was, it just, not now, (laughs) a lot of, well, yeah, a lot of religious manipulation is what I'm going to call it. Yes. And he was the puppet master. Yes. The authoritarian abusive power, abusive belief there, there was just a lot of that, which made me really sad. That is sad. And it's, you know, who it's the most sad for is those children. And the yes. ex-spouse, because here's the thing. They were caught up in a bad situation. Lori actually had another son, an older son, who was actually living out of the house. And he was coming forward trying. He tried so hard to plead with her and get her out of the house. But at one point, Catherine, she, like, told one of her friends or a family member, sometimes I think it would be better just to put my kids in a car and go off the side of a cliff. So, like, she was planning something demonic for a long time. Yeah, I was going to say she had some pretty realistic ideations. She also, I I think one of the things that really is weird about this is when Charles Vallow, her husband before Chad, first filed for a divorce, he wrote on the paper that his wife had threatened to murder him. I mean, so it was an ongoing thing that the murdering the potential suicide yeah it it was it was crazy uh she vanished for 58 days at one time she didn't care for her children at all she started claiming that she was the reincarnation of the wife of joseph smith who was the founder of the the mormon faith i mean it just it was it was really scary, and basically her ex-husband, they murdered him because he was super concerned for the children, because JJ, yeah. one of the two children that was murdered, was autistic and had special needs and required and special care. Mm-hmm. Adopted by Charles and Lori, so that is just so incredibly sad, And but Tylee wasn't Charles's biological daughter, so he couldn't do anything legally. And he'd never adopted her. Yeah. He couldn't do anything legally. He had no standing to try to protect her. So he was trying to file petitions to take the children away to the extent he could from her. So a lot of people, I think, kind of saw this coming, which sounds awful. Yeah. And that's the thing is no one could do anything about it, which as, okay. I'm going to say something completely on the other side of the spectrum because you would deal with this a lot more than me. If I was an unfit mother and say I got on drugs really bad or I started doing something that was out of the ordinary and I started telling you and Sage all these crazy ideals, 
I would pray that someone would go forward to an authority. And if the authority didn't do anything, take drastic measures. Get the kids out of the house. I don't care what it takes, but don't. Like you set the kids up for failure at that point. And then a lot of times, guys, the worst part is you go to court and people side with the moms, even if the moms are not sane. A lot of times I have friends that are dads that have not gotten their kids when they should have. And well, I just yeah. feel like the whole justice system is just flawed. And like, like these children should have never been in this position. She was a negligent mom from the, like, early on. And then her mother, guys, at the end tried to go and, like, defend her. And it was just horrible. She had no remorse. She smiled in the courtroom. She's, she's truly a psychopath, I think. She is. And that is something Alexis and I have talked a lot about this because I have done, still do, uh, a number of child protective hearings. And it varies. I, I know I've mentioned on here. I do public defender work, basically conflict public defender work. So when there is a case, you know, when you only have one public defender and there's a conflict legally, you need more than one, especially in child protective. You need a public defender appointed for the kid on behalf of CASA uh, and for each parent. So I okay. basically get appointed by the county. So it varies whether I'm representing mom and dad or whether I'm representing the child. And one of the harder trials I've ever had, Alexis knows this, was a few years ago. I had a termination of parental rights hearing. And the standard is so high to take children to permanently terminate parental rights. And it is so frustrating. It is so frustrating because there are situations in which the termination of parental rights is in the best interest of the child and allows for foster families to adopt these kids permanently to keep siblings together one of the most beautiful things I ever did was represent a mom who voluntarily terminated her parental rights because she knew her child could have a better life with the foster family adopting her so it just it, it really wow. is crazy and it it it's sad. It's hard. It's a, it's definitely something I struggle with. And when you see cases like this, it just, it breaks your heart. And especially when it, yes, Rexburg is far away from where, where I am in Idaho, but still it's so close to home that somebody could turn into this monster essentially just breaks my heart. Yeah. And you know, I am someone that is like a big proponent of mental health. Like you have to keep your mental health in check. So I'm not discrediting that this woman was going through things mentally, but I feel like she gave people enough signs that someone should have helped her and helped the kids. And I mean, I know there were people trying, don't get me wrong. If you were a family member of hers, I mean, her, his, the kid's grandparents, the little boy, JJ's grandparents, her son, like there were so many people coming forward trying to help. I just feel bad because I feel like a lot of times people don't advocate for the kids. It's more of making the parents happy. Does that make sense? Yeah. One thing, like though, I, I will say I have, and then and then we can go back into more of the backstory. I had this conversation with my parents the other day because if you've been following this case, you know that JJ's grandparents wanted to be able to be in the courtroom during some of the closed proceedings. And the Idaho courts ruled that they could not be in the courtroom. And the reason is because grandparents don't have rights over children the way that parents do. And 
a lot of people, when they first hear that, think, oh my gosh, I can't believe that. But when you really start to think about it, it makes, a bad thing. it makes sense. And you think about the potential consequences. It truly is a slippery slope for what can happen and what parents and grandparents potentially could do. So if grandparents had some of these rights that would allow them to be in that position, they could basically take parents to court over not having access to their grandparents. I mean, it just, it isn't a logical way to structure grandparental rights is the best way to put it. Well, here's two things. Perfect one is Casey Anthony's parents. She said that her dad molested her from a young age. So having them in the courtroom and like that lady's delirious too. We're not going to get off on that, but like that's a perfect example of grandparents being in the courtroom and there was Mm -hmm. all kinds of stuff that happened with that. And then on top of that, like I wonder why did these grandparents not have custody of JJ? What was the reasoning? I I guess I haven't looked into that because they loved him. They gave a $20,000 reward for both kids to find him alive. And that's the thing that I, part of that just broke my heart too, though, because these poor grandparents wanted so desperately to find their, their poor grandbabies. That just truly broke my heart. And I don't, I don't know. But the worst part was it wasn't their, um, Tylee wasn't their grandkid, only JJ. Exactly. And so so I'm like, it's like, it's so sad. And they were in the documentary a lot talking about it and it just broke my heart. So what, why can they not have custody? Well, there there never was the legal proceeding from what I understood of how to get custody. Okay. So the kids were never taken away from mom. There was never any reason for them to be taken away. You have to go through the entire proceedings in which basically in the state of Idaho, the state will take temporary shelter. So you have a shelter care hearing in which the temporary custody is vested in the state. You'll get, you know, a... A social worker involved from the Department of Health and Welfare, and you proceed that way. But if okay. she, from what I understood, she hadn't actually ever done anything that led to them having I mean, a reason. abandoning them for forty-five days, though, like, well, but when they found that yeah. out, that's what started all of this, right? So that's what started that's this. True this conversation of how it went down and how they even discovered that they'd been murdered. Yeah. It's so sad. This whole case is just, it's truly heartbreaking. It's horrible. It is horrible. And I don't know. It's just sad. These poor kids. Like I, like as a mom, this story just messes with me so mentally. Cause I'm like, and I haven't followed it as, closely like my mom followed it quite a bit but I didn't really follow it that closely to be quite honest with you because it's not in our area so like you're talking about how it's been the news and stuff we haven't seen as much of it um so down here it's all about the Aiden's case so what's interesting to me about that too is I think it would have been in the news a lot more but it all kind of came out when lockdown started when COVID lockdowns that's when that's when all this was happening. That's when she was going to court. That's I mean, when she was first arrested, all of that. It just it kind of I think it would have been bigger news if COVID hadn't been the biggest news, right? So it 
it's super sad, but it's interesting because going back to the fact that we've talked a lot about their, their doomsday kind of an apocalyptic religious views. And the prosecutor is actually making the argument that their doomsday views led them. Like you said, the idea that they were, their kids were zombies, all of this, these crazy religious beliefs, they use them to rationalize the killings. And that's, that's an element that I'm glad you brought up mental health, Alexis, because I think that's huge. Yeah. I just, I get it. It's their job to defend them, but I just don't see, I'm looking at it from every angle right now. And I'm just like, no, I think she was just, I'm, I hate to say a selfish, bad word. I'm not going to say the word, but like you don't do that to your children. And here's the thing I want to put out here too. I have friends that have been involved with CPS. I never know the circumstances. So I can't judge when your child gets called for CPS because I've had friends as innocent as like bringing their kid in the hospital. So like if you are that person, I don't want you to think that I'm judging you for that. It's just if you intentionally set out and tell people that you want to drive off the cliff with your children, you're mentally unwell. And on top of that, you're just a monster. Like I know there's something in your mind that I will never understand, but even on my worst days, and I'm someone that has dealt with depression and anxiety, I could never, ever, 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 ever hurt my child. And like I said, I, I've never been in that position. I dealt with postpartum depression horribly, but it never got to that point. And I'm just sitting here thinking of this woman, and I'm just, there are so many people that would have taken those babies. And on top of that, little JJ was adopted. So why, why would you put him into this environment when there's someone out there that could love them? I don't know. I just feel like the whole thing is so selfish personally. I think it's selfish. I think it's a, it's an injustice to the whole town of Rexburg. It's also an injustice to Idaho because I know there's people that would have taken those kids in. I mean, her own older brother, like he said in the documentary, he was like, you, you took my siblings from me. One was seven, one was 16. And they talked to Tylee's friends. They talked to JJ's grandparents. There were so many people that loved these people. Mm-hmm. And they should have never put, been put in this position. And I just, it's just, it's sad all the way around. <clears throat> it's heartbreaking. It's the, it's the stealing of opportunity, I think, as well, which you really touched on, Alexis. The, the stealing of these lives that could have been. And it's truly heartbreaking. And I had, I had looked at and was trying to pull up again an article about how, when, basically, when did Lori Vallow's beliefs become dangerous? And that's what really is interesting to me. I don't think, like, I think she probably started off and that's why I pointed out that they both started off as pretty, pretty standard followers of the Mormon faith because they went from something very socially acceptable. No, not. A, I'm just pointing that out as they went from something socially acceptable to something so off the rails. And I think it was probably slow and gradual. And yeah, that's that's part of what kind of blows my mind. And no, this isn't about the Mormon faith at all. I just am using that to explain that 
they went from a yeah. fairly normalized, socially accepted religious practice to a practice in which they believed that the souls of her children had left their bodies and they were zombies that needed to be murdered. And mm-hmm. people, you know, people from her church community said when before all of this she was a really good mom when they lived in they lived in Arizona before they moved to Idaho that she was a really good mom she was helpful she served with them in their church community was great friends that people in the church community had trusted her with their children yeah there was a lot of them on the documentary That's that's what gets me is is the seemingly normal, trustworthy person turned the thing that really was interesting. And you probably could talk more about this from what happened in the documentary. But she went to Hawaii for two years between like 2014, 2016. And people said she was just very different when she came back. She started saying that her husband, her fourth husband, Charles, was already dead and there was a demon living inside him walking around and that she just was a totally different person. Yeah. And that was the thing too, is like they showed videos of her singing in the car with her kids in Hawaii. And it was just like, they were all so happy. And then my dog just sneezed. Sorry. (laughs) And then it showed videos of like, her with Chad Daybell in the same place. And it's like, it's weird that she took him back there to a place that was so important to them. You know what I mean? Like they all just seemed happy. And like, even her older son was there with them. So it's just very odd. I don't know. It's almost like overnight this woman, but I want you guys to think of something here. Think about when you're starting to date someone, the number of text messages you send, the number of Snapchats, the number of emails, even, um, there's so many forms of communication when you start talking to someone and really getting heavily engaged with them that like you start to know everything about them and you start to want to become the person that they think you are. I know it sounds weird, but like when you start dating someone in a sense, you kind of lose part of yourself. And I'm not saying that that is a bad thing always, but like you get caught up in the moment if you know what I mean. And so like, yeah, I truly think this woman got caught up in the moment and then before she knew it, it was toxic. And then she was too far in and she's like, all right. And then at this point though, I think she's so far gone because in trial, she's literally smiling with lipstick on. Like, well, it's the manipulation too. He told her he was a Messiah. He told her, you know, it's the, the sounds, the sounds so just, I don't know, bad of me to say, but it's kind of the age old use of I am the second coming to manipulate people I mean we've seen that in other trials in history the religious manipulation I mean Charles Manson even played the religious manipulation card at one point you and I both have listened to so many different podcasts histories everything about murderers over the years who have played that that role I guess we'll call it of religious manipulation in convincing someone who ends up becoming either their assistant or their victim that they Mm -hmm. know better than everyone else because God has chosen them. And that is such a scary, scary thing. 
Oh, for sure. And I mean, it's hard, like you said, when you get religion involved. Because I was thinking that actually at our church service last week for Easter. Like, you look into what Jesus did because God told him to do it. And it's like, you like, there's a lot to it, obviously. It's a lot deeper than that. But it's like, sometimes in religion, some things get, I don't even, I'm not even going to go there. My dad told me from a young age, don't argue politics or religion. You're, it's a lose-lose. But um, I just think it's interesting because sometimes religion goes too far from the spectrum. I'm not saying mm-hmm. the Easter was that way, guys. Please, please, please do not think of that. I'm a diehard Christian. Anyways, but um, it's almost like every time a cult forms, it happens the same way. Yes. Like, okay. This is the same. It's like a typical cult. Like that's what I'm trying to say. It's like this typical pattern that happens every time. My goodness, I got way off there with my ADD, guys. Sorry. No, I'm glad you brought that up because I I have studied a lot, listened to a lot of podcasts about cults, and I actually did in one of my classes in law school. We talked about like what are the elements and the foundation of how cults end up being formed, that kind of thing, and. Part of it is, you know, you have to have this charismatic leader and then there's always some kind of faith component. And think of the manipulation Mm -hmm. when you look at situations like Jonestown and where people, people literally, that's where the expression drank the Kool-Aid came from, right? Uh, Was Jonestown. And he convinced all of these people, which I I do want to point out. I don't know why I always feel the need to point this out. It wasn't actually Kool-Aid. It was like the knockoff brand of Kool-Aid at Jonestown. But he literally, he, yeah, right. He literally convinced people to commit a mass suicide. And that was on the basis of the fact that. I mean, Wake goes right next to me. There you go. Exactly. It's like just, it happens it's, it's so sad. Time. Yeah. It is so sad, but like, there's a reason people get swept up into it. I'm not going to say that, I don't know, I'm not going to say that it couldn't happen to anyone, because it could happen to me if there's something that I'm like, oh my goodness, I believe this so much, but like, I think I would get out before that happened, but like, it, you just can't judge, because at the same time, there's a lot of things when it comes into religion that is una- you're unable to explain and I mean, the Bible, a lot of it, you know, is believing by faith. And if this man's coming up saying all these things like, hey, um, I am the Messiah. God's speaking to me directly. I am going to save mankind. You have to help me extinct these zombies. Like after a while, you're going to be like, wow, is God really talking to this? I don't know. I just I don't know. I've never been in this position. Obviously, I've never joined a cult. Um, but, you know, I actually one of my favorite professors did join a cult. I should have her on to talk about it. I would love that. She went I'd undercover be so for a story. I she went undercover so for a story. Because they, they prey like she, upon... They were going to take her on as one of their... As one of their, his, his wives, actually. So we should definitely... Yeah, like, he picked, chose her specifically. So, like... Um, hold on. Pippa. They prey upon the vulnerable. Ah, uh, Pippi. They do 100%. And she's, like, not vulnerable at all. But I do think, like, it'd be really interesting to have her on. She was my producer for years. Um, One of my favorite college professors. We're still in contact. And, yeah, no, she had a crazy story about going into this cult thing. And, like, they let her go under and do a whole story on them. Like, she was that in that they trusted her enough to do a story on them. 
She won an Emmy That's for it. That's wild. That is wild. So that would be wrong. so fast. We don't know about we don't know about the Colts like she does. No, I don't think almost anyone knows about Colts the way she does. That is so scary, but it it's yeah, yeah no, it's, it's just interesting. It's truly a different world and this trial is heartbreaking. It's fascinating. It's something we just wanted to talk about because it is such a big part of you know, now becoming more and more mainstream media, it's a big part of the the media that I am, you know, taking in every day out here in Idaho and what that means out here. It just, it's heartbreaking. And I think it's important that we discussed the, the awareness factor that Alexis and I brought up a couple times, just of be, being aware that there truly are bad things and bad people in this world and it's heartbreaking and I do truly believe that there is so much good in this world but it's a scary sad place there is and it's everywhere we're seeing it in crime more and more but the part obviously seeing it in crime the part that I think is crazy is that now as a society we're more fascinated by it um, so it's getting more attention than ever before. So I'm hoping it's going to make us more aware of what's going on. And sorry, guys, I am. A I mom. hope it does too. My child is crying in the background. I love you all, but I think I'm going to have to sign off. Yep. I think it's time. Steel has determined this is the end of our podcast. So <laughs> we love you all. Be safe. If you have any topics you'd like us to cover, I think we talked a little bit about a few that we want to cover that are a little more personal to us, but we just thought this was an important thing to talk about that's in the news. And if you have any questions on this trial, we're probably going to come back to it as it goes through the court system because there are articles nonstop about it. And from a lawyer perspective, I'm fascinated. Alexis is fascinated from a journalism standpoint. It just, it's truly wild. So we hope you have a wonderful week. We love you all and we will talk to you soon. Bye. Thanks for tuning in. If you rate and review, we will love you even more. 